and um, welcome everybody. I'm Emma and like Josh said, I am a first year intern here at HTC. And the passage that I'm looking at today is 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 7 to 12. So let's have a read. It says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And this is why we labor and we strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I'm just going to pray before I start. Yeah, Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we have you as our ultimate example. And Lord, we just pray today that your spirit would be so present and that you would just be speaking to each one of our hearts. And Lord, that you'd be um, telling us what we need to hear today from you. I just pray that in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, for a bit of context about this passage... Paul wrote this letter to his young friend, Timothy, in hope that it would encourage him to command and to teach the gospel despite his age, and also to give him instruction on how to be a godly example to the Ephesian church. So Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus in hopes to bring the church back to God because they'd started out very close to God, But over time, they had drifted away from God and they begin to put their trust in other things such as godless myths and old wives' tales, basically stories that pointed them away from the gospel. And you might be thinking, well, that's a lovely bit of historical context, Emma, but how does this relate to my life today? So we might think we're all above godless myths and old wives' tales, but no matter who we are or what's going on, We're all putting our hope into something, whether it's through the way we live or what we spend our time doing. We have a hope that that will get us somewhere. And I wonder what we are personally putting our trust and our hope in today. Maybe we're putting our trust in our careers, hoping that we'll be able to provide the finances and lifestyle that we desire Or maybe we're putting our hope and trust in a relationship that will be able to fulfill us in some way. But it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's property, Bitcoin, dating apps, or just having a good time. The reality is that in our ever-changing society, where there seems to be more options than ever with what to do with our time, what to do with our lives, we have to choose to put our trust into something. And the thing is, the targets that our society gives us today, they're constantly moving, aren't they? But there is is only one thing, ultimately, that remains the same, that is unmovable throughout all of time, and that is God. Everything else has the potential to change, has the potential to end or let us down. Culture changes, but Christ doesn't. 
Now, I only became a Christian around three and a half years ago. And before that, I put my trust and my hope into my acting career. I'd always wanted to be an actor. I'd spent my whole life training. I'd had drama lessons as a kid. I went to drama school and I thought, you know what? If I put all my time and my training into getting an agent, into getting acting jobs, that I wouldn't be a failure and I'd be fulfilled through being a success in my acting career. However, after I found God, I began to have a relationship with him. I realized that what I was spending all my time training for and putting my trust and my hope in, ultimately, it was temporary and it would never be enough to fulfill me. Now, someone once said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things that don't really matter. And for me, the realization that there was more out there than just the acting career that I'd always idolized, it really opened my eyes up to the endless freedom that God has to offer all of us. And I realized that I needed to be trusting in something more than just my achievements and my accomplishments. And I'm not saying that ambition is bad or that skills or career have no value at all. Not at all. Even Paul says in verse 8 that physical training, it is of some value. But ultimately, it's not what we were made to be putting our trust in. In verse 10, Paul tells us what is worth putting our trust in. And that is Jesus. Why? Because he says in verse 10, he is the living God who is the saviour of all people, and especially of those who believe. The Christian claim is that the end is already written. Christ has already died for us, but his salvation only becomes effective for those who put their trust in him. And you might be thinking, well, why should I trust and give myself over to God? And the answer is, because he first gave himself to us. No matter who we are, we can put our hope in Jesus because the good news is we don't have to be godly or perfect to get God's love. We've already received it. God just calls us to live in response to what he has already done for us. So how do we respond to this? Well, Paul tells us in uh, verse 7 to train yourself to be godly. We as Christians we're called to train ourselves so that others can see Christ in us. No matter who we are or what stage of, in our faith that we're in, it's never too late to be used by God. Never in a million years, three and a half years ago, did I think I'd be here teaching God's word. But God can use all of us to set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So my question today is, do you ask God to help you show love to others? To help you stay strong in your faith and to stay pure in heart? Because these things, they might seem far way off. They might seem impossible to achieve without God. But the amazing thing is, with God, anything is possible. So whenever I need to do something that seems out of my strength and that I don't have the strength for, I have to constantly remind myself to come to dog, God, to talk to God about, about what the issue is. And that is the beauty of faith. We're never alone. God is always with us and 
all we have to do is ask him. So, do you invite God into your everyday, into the small things and the big things in life? And some of you might be thinking, gosh, this being a Christian thing sounds like a lot of hard work. And if I'm being honest, you're right, it is. It isn't the easy way of life, but we do it because we have hope in Jesus. And the life we have with Jesus is worth it all. And just like Paul says in verse 10, that is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God. And you might be thinking, why should I labor and strive again? Why, why should I bother to do that? And Paul says that we should bother because godliness has value for all things. And it has promise for both the present life and the life to come. Our relationship with God is the only thing that has longevity beyond our time here on earth. And we should put our hope in Jesus because he is the one thing that is always trustworthy and ultimately the only hope we have that will never let us down. And when we choose to put our trust into Jesus and let him shape our every moment, he will not only use us to be a godly example to others around us, but we will experience our best lives here on earth and a perfect life after, full of the blessings and all the freedom that God has to offer us. I'm just going to end with a prayer as well. Yeah, Jesus, thank you so much for today. And thank you so much for this opportunity to look at your word and to, um, and to teach your word today, Lord. And we just pray for Amanda now as she comes up, Lord. We just pray that you would fill her with your strength. And I pray that in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. I was going to welcome Amanda. Yeah. Thank you, Emma. What a joy. Um, I'm going to go straight into our passage. It is 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 to 10. And it says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the gospel. Bit of feedback there. Um, about, do not be ashamed. Peter, do you want me to stand somewhere else? Okay, I'm going to keep going. It's going to be fine. So do not be ashamed of, uh, of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Well, good morning. Um, my grandmother is Austrian, and one of our favourite films to watch is The Sound of Music. So commiserations to all you lovers, but I am an unabashed fan. And I wonder if some of you know the song, I Have Confidence. I have confidence in sunshine. I have confidence in rain. And in the final verse, Maria proudly sings and answers, I have confidence in confidence alone, besides which you see, I have confidence in me. And my question for us this morning is, what do you have confidence in? What do you have confidence in? 
because I think this passage shows us three areas in our Christian life in which we can be confident. And the first is that we can have confidence in our calling. In verse 6, Paul reminds Timothy of the gift that he was given with the laying on of hands. And there's a lot of different theological debate about exactly what this is. But what we do know is that Paul had commissioned Timothy to lead this church in Ephesus. And actually the whole of this letter, he is reminding Timothy of that calling. And he says to you, fan it into flame. What an evocative picture to fan into flame, to kindle afresh. This word in the Greek, it literally means to blow on embers until they come alight. And next Sunday is Focus Sunday, and that always makes me think of campfires and toasting marshmallows. But um, Focus is also like a spiritual top-up, isn't it? And it, it makes you feel on fire for Christ again. And I am not going to talk this morning about COVID because I think we probably all talked about it to death. But I don't know about you, there have been parts of this year where, you know, I have not felt on fire for Jesus. I have felt spiritually really dry. And Paul, he, he says here, fan into flame. There's no passivity here. This is a, a deliberate action. And I know for myself that I need to be really deliberately cultivating people and practices that help me to remain hot in my faith. And not all of us are Timothy called to lead a first century church. But for every person here, you have a unique calling in Christ. You are his workmanship. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And all of us who call ourselves Christians, we are called to the church. Look at what Paul writes in verse 9. He has saved us. And when we read the Bible, it is nearly always a we and nearly never an I. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. We are called to holiness, to live and to speak and to act and move and have our being just like Jesus. Not because of anything that we have done but because of his own purpose and grace. We are called according to his purpose, and we are called according to his grace. It is not about us, it's about Jesus. It's because of Jesus, and it is in the power of Jesus, so it's not dependent on us. What a relief. And have a look at me with the previous verse in verse 8. Paul writes, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And our universal calling as Christians is to the church of Christ, to one another, and it is to the gospel. So we can have confidence in our calling this morning by his grace. And secondly, we can also have confidence in the gospel. And if we're honest, I think all of us sometimes struggle to stand up for Christ. And, you know, sometimes that's in the big things, and sometimes that is in the little things. I, um, I was at a housewarming party last weekend with an old friend who I hadn't seen for a really long time. And we had that classic icebreaker moment where you go around and you end up talking about what you do, which I think is a really boring way to introduce yourself, but there we go. And um, it got to that moment for me, and it was like, Amanda, what do you do? And I was kind of, well, actually, I work for a church awkward pause. And uh, as a millennial, there is nothing that millennials hate more at parties than an awkward pause. And um, Paul, he wrote this passage, this to Timothy letter from a dark and a damp Roman prison cell. 
Just before his death in AD 67, he'd already been shipwrecked three times. He had been beaten and bruised. He'd been homeless and destitute. He'd been brought before kings and before governors. And he'd also witnessed the miraculous growth of the early church. And he, he had seen it, he'd seen it explode, hadn't he? If any of you read the book of Acts or were with us as we went through Acts and HTC Daily, we, we know all about it. And if anyone knows about suffering for the gospel, it's Paul. And if anyone knows about the power of the gospel, it's Paul. And, and he says here, um, do not be ashamed. And he writes, I'll swear as well, but I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel of Jesus is the power of God to bring salvation to a dying world. Amen. And so brothers and sisters, do not be ashamed, but fan into flame your passion for Jesus. Be filled by the Holy Spirit again. And Paul in prison, knowing that he's going to his death, what does he write about the Holy Spirit? He says in verse 7, one of my favorite um, verses in the Bible, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. The Spirit of God, it is that fire. And when we are dependent on Jesus's grace, he, he pours in his power by the Holy Spirit. And there is no fear with the Spirit of God. So confidence in the gospel creates Christ-centered courage. And the more we lean into Jesus, the more grace that he pours out. And some of my, uh, my heroes are William and Catherine Booth, who set up the original Salvation Army, and they were pioneers for Christian social justice. And um, they released their daughter, Kate, to preach the gospel aged only 15. And she um, very quickly became quite a famous evangelist. And there's this incredible story of a man who was sitting in a train carriage and he suddenly realized that he was opposite the famous Katie Booth. And he started sort of um, blabbering and speaking very quickly the way that you do when you're nervous. And he was kind of, you know, I'm a committed Christian. I go to church every week. And so the story goes, she sat opposite him, sort of increasingly wide-eyed, and then eventually said, you come to church for a dying world is that all you do? Are we, are we a light for the gospel of Jesus? And um, some of our youth, as Josh said, are speaking this evening, and I've, I've had the joy and the privilege to be a youth leader all of my time at HTC, and I am frequently humbled and encouraged by the boldness that these 15, 16, 17-year-olds have in the gospel. And this passage, it, it promises us that the Holy Spirit does not give us timidity, but it can give us courage. And really, um, the question this morning is not, what do you have confidence in, is it? It's, who do you have confidence in? Because the key to all of these things, our calling in Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, is the man himself. And what I want to leave us with is the total 100% confidence that we can have in Christ. You know, some of us this morning will be chomping at the bit to share the gospel. Emma encourages me in this way. Some of us maybe will be feeling guilty. When was the last time I invited someone to church? Some of us are new to this whole Christianity business or coming to church. And if that's you, thank you so much for bearing with. Um, and my guess is a lot of us this morning are just exhausted and desperate for a holiday. 
But wherever you are this morning, lean into Jesus. He has so much grace for you. And I love how Paul ends this passage in verses 9 to 10. He says, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Jesus, he called you and he chose you long before you knew him. And this grace, it has now been revealed through the appearing of our saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And as we know from Jago, the gospel, it changes everything. And Jesus, he, he brings life. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't do away with the power of social awkwardness at a barbecue. He did away with sin. He destroyed the power of death. And with his blood that he shed, he has brought us freedom and eternal life. And we, we are safe with Jesus. We are empowered by Jesus. And we can have total security and 100% confidence in Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, amen. And I'm going to hand over to James. Well, thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Emma. Um, hello, my name is James. I'm also one of the interns here. I'm just going to say a few words on the next few verses on, in 2 Timothy 1 and kind of building on what Emma and Amanda have already said. So let's get straight into the passage. So Paul is writing to Timothy and he says this, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. So what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So Emma has asked us, where do we put our hope and our trust? Amanda has asked us, where do we put our confidence? And we've seen already from what Amanda has said that we can have confidence, amongst other things, in the gospel. And as Amanda says, Paul has such confidence in the gospel that he is prepared to suffer for it. The gospel is central to Paul's life and it's at the heart of this passage. It's there in the first verse of this reading where Paul writes, of this gospel... I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Paul is suffering because of the gospel. It's what Paul has been proclaiming, and it's the reason why he's in prison right now. But he's not just been proclaiming the gospel to those who do not yet know Jesus. He's also been proclaiming the gospel to Timothy, his like, apprentice, as it were. And Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, and he knows he's soon going to die. As we heard from Amanda... But he urges Timothy to guard, to preserve this gospel message. So it's the reason for Paul's suffering, and it's what he urges Timothy to hold on to. But what is it? What is this gospel message, and why is it so important? Well, in essence, the gospel message is that we cannot save ourselves, but we need Jesus Christ to save us, to rescue us. And he has done that for us on the cross. The gospel is good news. It's good news that we can have purpose in our lives as we live in the kingdom of God under King Jesus. It's good news that Jesus has dealt with our sin and all our wrongdoing. He has dealt with it at the cross, paid the penalty for it so we can be liberated from our sin and our shame. It's the good news of what Jesus has done in restoring our relationship with God our Father, our loving Father in heaven that starts now and continues for all eternity. 
And all that we need to do is to come into relationship with God through Christ, to put our trust in him, in Jesus, to receive his forgiveness and to turn from living for ourselves to living for Jesus. Now, this message is the most important message in the world. It's a good news that's worth being shared, even if it feels a bit awkward, as Amanda said in that story. Shared to all who will listen. It's the message by which we are saved. And for some here today or watching online at home, this may be the first time you've heard this message before. And I just want to say this is worth looking into. There will be some of us here, as Amanda has said, we're ready to say yes to Jesus today. We're ready to go for it. And I would say just go for it. You won't regret it. But while there are some here for whom the gospel message, maybe it's new for the first time, there'll be others of us who we've heard this before. And I'm sure Timothy would have been like that. We see early on in this letter, Timothy, he grew up in a Christian home under the influence of his grandmother and his mother, who each had a sincere faith in Christ, as, as he did. So Timothy would have heard this message many times from his members of his family, and also from Paul, of course, his mentor, his role model, his spiritual father in the faith. He would have heard this gospel message many times before. And for those of us who, like me, have grown up in Christian homes, who have privileged to be heard about the gospel, heard about Jesus from a young age, a temptation I know for me is to think, I know about this, I've heard it all before. And yet the challenge for those of us in that position is to allow God, by his spirit, to speak to us, to show us why, again, this is such good news. We need to be amazed afresh at what God has done for us in Christ. Because the danger is we can let it slip. We can forget what Jesus has done for us. We can think that it's all down to us at the end of the day. But yet the gospel message is that on our own we can do nothing. We are completely helpless. That's quite a humbling message for us because we like to think we can get by pretty well on our own. We like to think we, can, we are pretty self-sufficient. Yet the gospel demonstrates that we are utterly reliant on Jesus. Without him, we are nothing. But in Christ, we have everything. Not everything materially, but everything we could possibly need. A relationship with a God who knows us so deeply and yet who loves us completely. But how easy it is for us to forget that, to think that we need something more than that to be happy. And that is Paul's concern here. That's why he urges Timothy to look after this gospel message. Don't let anyone take it from you. We see that in the last couple of verses of this passage. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, What you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, Paul is a bit older than Timothy. He's been teaching Timothy for a long time. And Paul knows he hasn't got much time left in this life while he's there in prison. But he is keen that gospel message is preserved and it's passed on. Timothy has this responsibility to stay true to the message, to live it out, and to share it with people. And we too have that same responsibility. That's what Paul means when he says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. The good deposit is the good news, the gospel, how we've been saved by what Jesus has done for us on the cross to restore our relationship with God, our Father. We are to guard this message that has been entrusted to us. And what does it mean when it says entrusted to to us, well, it means that we have been given this message to pass on to others. It's a bit like when you've been entrusted with an important letter that someone else needs to read. There's no point just keeping it to yourself. The message is for someone else to read. We have been entrusted with the gospel message to pass on to others that need to hear it. 
And so how is Timothy and how are we to guard this message, to make sure that it is actually passed on to others? Well, we see here, it's, we are to guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. As Amanda said, we have different reactions to how we may feel about passing on this message. But the key thing is we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us. When we accept Jesus into our lives, God, by his Spirit, comes to live in us. We receive the love of God the Father by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to live for Jesus. He enables us to guard the gospel that's been entrusted to us. And so a challenge for us today is, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to wake us up, to remind us of why this is such good news? Because it's then, by the Holy Spirit, that we can live out fruitful lives for Jesus. Josh is going to come up now and lead us in a time of response where we can receive this gospel message, maybe for the first time, and we can be filled again with the Holy Spirit, God with us.